search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Broken by Concept, episode 177. We've got Nathan Mott, we've got Coach Curtis. Now, I wanted to talk about the appreciation of small details for a second here, Nathan. Now, this is something we've been very vocal about. You know, every second episode we're talking about, it's all about the details. Let's get into the details. Make sure we're getting specific. We're really trying people to stray away from general questions. I always be like, okay, you know, you can have your questions are cool, but it always helps to get that next level. Get examples. Right. Let's get specific. And and I think it's very easy for that to get that sentence to become a bit of like a, a buzz sentence. You know, mm. it just doesn't mean much mm. anymore. And I think that... Because we're very repetitive and we we very we strongly believe in what we say, I think that I'm I'm potentially concerned about people not even really understanding what it means. I think that how about this, Curtis? We need to make sure that we're constantly bringing weight to that sentence, that saying, getting into the details again and again. Because yeah, even for me, like I just say, it's like, well, we're gonna get into the details. It's right. like it could be because I think <laughs> it's anything gets memeable. Because well, this is the thing, I think, because when you say that, yeah, you have a very clear picture about of what like, that means. What, what that, that means like, in yes. the, in this context. But for someone listening, and I think we need to be very careful of this, is that they might have no clue what what is what is getting into the details have anything to do with this situation? How would the details change my take or my read on this particular situation? Mm. So what I want to do is I want to show two clips, okay, for a second. Now, now these clips are, they're going to be kind of polar opposites. One is where the details were done very well and that leads to an advantageous situation. And one of them is where the details are not done well and that leads to a bit of a disastrous situation. Now, the first one is going to be a quantum. He's a high ELO and a uh, streamer, long-term OG mid lane intuitive player. And the other one is actually of a bronze three from my mid lane school program. Okay. So we're going to kick it off first by taking a look at quantum. Okay. Now this was just a VOD. I actually, so I was doing a bit of a, a commentary of this game for my mid lane school program. Hold on, Curtis. I just realized I feel naked. I can't okay. see anything, dude. What do you mean? My, gla- my glasses. Dude. Oh, God damn it. I got to go get my glasses. All right. Well, we'll be back in a jiffy. All right. All right, so we're back here. Nathan's got his glasses. He can see the screen. Thank God. Um, so, really, you know, he is a Rift Herald situation here. All we need to know is that he has a little bit of move off mid, okay? His Lee Sin has already started the Rift Herald here. His top lane has move, right? He's got Aatrox into Teemo. Aatrox has moved from top side. So looking good, right? Looks like an advantageous situation. The enemy have a Graves, and they have a, I believe it was a, a Silas or an oh, Ari. I think it was an Ari. Yeah, it was an Ari, right? And so essentially what happens here is that he's thinking, all right, well, I'm going to move over and I'm going to help my jungle lease in. Now, I just want to freeze frame right now. What I love about this specific positioning is that he's not really overly committed, right? You you can control this choke point pretty well here. If they maneuver in from this top side, you can just now hover over here and get an R in. You create multi-thread. It's just a very intelligent position, right? Because if you were too deep here and they pin, you, they collapse collapse in, you'll potentially pinch it. You know what I mean? So this is just first small detail. This is a very, very small detail. I just thought it would be worth mentioning there. But look at what happens here. I'm just going to play it out. Here they come, the Ari and the Grace. Now look at... Okay, we'll see how it plays out now. Gets a beautiful uh, fear. They all follow up. Boom. Just amazing play. Okay, now, 
the 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 small details that I want to highlight here is actually the initial the initial part here at the start. Now, look at what he does here. He actually reacts to the Grace. He didn't even know where Grace was. Grace just came. He must uh, Grace comes from the, from this top side. Now, look at what he does here. Notice how he doesn't panic flash. He actually holds his flash, waits for the charm and smokescreen. He gets out the charm and smokescreen here. If he had instantly flashed, Ari wouldn't have used charm. Grace wouldn't have wasted smokescreen. And then who knows? Maybe in another situation, those two key abilities would change this outcome. Maybe, just maybe, Ari having charm here would actually have actually been uh, Ari would have been able to peel potentially, you know, in an alternate reality here for the for the Lee Sin. Maybe maybe Ari charms the Lee Sin, so Lee Sin can't land Q here. Who knows? You know, maybe it's a different situation. So this is just a really well played, small detail oriented situation that is made ten times better. Just from clean intuition, small things done well. Smart positioning. Works out well. Oh, I get so excited by this clip. Okay, so I'm really trying to think about it from the viewer's perspective there, Curtis. Okay, because a lot of people, because we review so much. Yeah. And if I was to see like a skirmish that had this sort of level of tiny detail, beautiful execution, I know I'm watching a challenger player, right? Instantaneously. And the thing is, is that these challenger players doing this a lot in the game I'll be quite lucky to see this maybe once every maybe three or four reviews from like an Emerald player. And people might be like, I'm sure I do this sort of stuff in my games. You don't. You actually don't. You'll be surprised. Like the, these things, like you pointing out the position, the non-committal position into the Herald, a lot of people will think, oh, I'm just going to lazily do Herald. And then they'll just be like in the pit hitting it or something like that. So, like no one would think about that watching well, this let's even get, It's easy to miss. Let's right? get specific. What would, let, let's say, if, okay, if, if this were like, say, a Platinum Vex, what, yeah, you, would say, what you would say, they yeah, might not even walk to the, they might not even know. Isn't even that sounds ridiculous. They might yeah. actually be still shoving oh, this wow. next midway. Oh, wow. No curse. I, I had a, literally a coaching session today where the Vex here by Jungler, the person I was reviewing, was mm. hitting the Herald and the Rumble was roaming bot for a play right now. Yeah. Yeah. You see that all the time. That They're not even in, playing in a corner set of Jungler's location. That Diamond 4 game. You see that all the time. Yeah, mm. spot on. Even in Diamond. They, they might not even be complimenting their Jungler's location. Mm. They might think, oh yeah, Aatrox, you know, they might not even think Aatrox has prior, therefore it's gone. They might even think, eh, Lee Sin's got it. They've got vision. I can make a play bot. They might not even be here, Right. The other thing is that they might, like you said, the, from a positioning perspective, they might, you know, try and position too aggressively up here and then fight with the Ari, you know, and then they're too split from the Lee Sin, so Lee Sin can't follow up on the CC, or maybe they were really committed inside the pit, so, you know, when they, or, um, or maybe what you would more commonly see is maybe even the Vex uses EQ on, on the, the rift. rift. Oh, that's the biggest one. And doesn't have yeah. fear or any abilities yeah. to turn in the first place. Yeah. There's a, there are so many ways that this can be butchered completely and in an alternate reality. And look, in this situation, you know, I would say that there's a lot of room for error. Because Aatrox has moved from topside, you know, like even if you you mess up here, your Aatrox could probably collapse down. You're probably not going to die. But like, you know, if we play out you know, many, many of these scenarios where it's not going to be as advantageous and it's a 50-50 scenario, these details matter a lot. I mean, really, if you think about Quantum's following, just I'll say two basic principles here. How can I allow, how can I be here to support to make sure we secure the Rift Herald? And how can I do it in a way that if a fight breaks out, I'm ready to fight? That's right. That's really That's the only really principles. It. And then everything comes together once you follow those two principles here. 
Yep, and obviously great anticipation, having cl absolute clarity over how they can kill you and what is actually the key threatening abilities. And, and this is all small intuitive stuff. He's probably, he's, he's, he wouldn't, wouldn't be, thinking be thinking about at that. all. No, pure intuition. And especially this guy. This mm. guy is a long-term OG high-level mid laner who just great positioning, great mid-game intuition, just knows just where to be, how to execute. And this is what it looks like. This is what challenger high-level shit looks like. And, and again, this can go many, many different ways. And a lot of people would just flick over this. Yes, people whatever. Would oh, like, yeah, I would do that. That's easy. Yeah. <laughs> looks easy enough. He's just in the thing. But and he's not doing anything overly complicated, no. but it's the sim this stuff. This is little, what Challenger is. This is what it is. This is what Challenger actually yeah. looks like. And, 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 and that's a shock to a lot of people. People don't get that. People genuinely, still to this day, even after this segment, they're not really can even believe us they think be it's the 10 cs i think it's the you play in fights insanely well like yep. in terms of mechanics like massive vexars and stuff like that yep i mean the vexar is only good here because of this initial play yep right that's why you have a good vexar because he's bad down all the abilities that's right he didn't waste any of his abilities and that's why he went look he didn't even he didn't i don't even think he burnt any abilities here. he actually conserved all of his abilities <laughs> yeah. now still he didn't panic yeah. right he didn't rush his abilities because now when he now he can reposition now he's got that multi-threat graves and r is just so screwed they're just so screwed they have yeah. to back off but then they don't play it well right that's the difference between these players ari shouldn't be walking in right now they should no, just the be giving done. the rift yeah the, the play's, play's done. done and again that's what makes these players maybe a little bit lower than lower ranked and you know they, they don't navigate the situation so i really want to now contrast this with a um a bronze three now obviously that's a big jump in in rank, obviously, we're going from challenger. I was expecting us to like maybe ease it into maybe an emerald, but because we're going okay, we're going, we're going to the depths, okay. here, right? Yeah. Um, and I just want to kind of show people like what it, what like what bronze skirmishing looks like. I think it's a it's a bit jarring, mm. but this is the difference. Now, this was a bronze three Cassidy. He's in a great spot, right? He's two and zero, actually wow, farming pretty good. Great, yes. Right. Shout out to Alados. We actually did a uh, MLS specific like kind of below plat. Um, uh, shout out to Alice and Tim who put together a, a below plat Cassadin guide. So very kind of tailored to the below plat experience. Um, anyway, so to, if we freeze frame right now, he's moving to a, essentially a skirmish in the river uh, in the in the jungle here. As you can see, Lee Sin's really low, right? He has a Morgana jungle here. Um, uh, he's eighty carries, kind of sitting on the tower here. So he moves over. And and like Lee Sin's just there to win the Gromp. He actually doesn't even see the Lee Sin. So I just want to free. That's the first thing, right? This is the first thing. He legit doesn't. I asked him. He's like, I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't even see the lease in, right? He wasn't even. He tunnel visioned on the Oriana. His eyes were only on Oriana. So he's, he can't actually process a lot of information here. Like he legit forgets that the lease in's low just on Gromp right there, right? That's the first thing, right? right? Then the second thing, Morgana cues. So now Oriana's rooted. So, but he panics and then he R's and he doesn't get an R range. So he doesn't get the R damage. Yeah. And this is really important. You got first strike, you got three stacks. This is your third stack R. That's a lot of damage that you've just Massive, missed. yeah. Right? So boom, doesn't even get the R damage. It's a complete panic. And I don't even think he auto... Wait, he doesn't even auto double. He doesn't even use his W, I'm pretty sure. Look, just walks up and just autos. Works, yeah. Doesn't even use yeah. the W. That's a lot of missed damage. And then as a result, we have to go back in a second time. And then like takes so much longer to kill the Oriana. Then the enemy AD carry supporter coming here and then he R's in thinking that the misfortune is going to like just run in blindly into the bush here. We'll rewind here a little bit. 
sees the MF and the and the and the Malkai and just ours in. Oh, because he thought he was anticipating her to run into the Yeah, and but, but MF's never gonna do that. No. Like you just kind of know, even though and like you could you could and even if you're unsure, you would just wait a second. Just relax. Like, you know, patience, that's where patience really kicks in. And it's not even about what you do a lot of the time in these skirmishes, it's about what you don't do. Right? Even just the difference between like holding your ability for an extra second, holding your ability for an extra you know, half a second sometimes, and then now he this R's in by himself completely split from the team, gets Malachi ulted, and now the situation's just ugly. And it has to flash out, and now we're just in a shitty situation. You know what I mean? So there's so many things there, so many little things, right? The, the lack of understanding of Morgana's uh, root uh, bind duration, lack of mental stack to be able to process multiple yeah. low targets. I mean, even... Holding even, of abilities, even, missing abilities. Even having a priority target in mind can't properly do the damage on them as yep, well. that's right. And I, and I know this is obviously a bit of an extreme example, like kind of, you know, going from 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 um, Challenger to, to Bronze, but, you know, and we're all somewhere in that spectrum, right? We're somewhere in between, but this is why the details matter, you know, and, and this person might come to, to the, you know, I'm not going to use him as an example, but let's say an average, you know, say silver player or gold player says, oh, I always get bad teammates or, you know, why, how do I win when I get four trolls? And then you look and this, I'm like, well, let's get into the details. This is what we mean. Hmm. This is what we mean. You you play this a little bit differently. You don't you, you, you one shot the Oriana, you get a double kill, you kill the Lee Sin, you don't R in, so you conserve your flash, that makes you win the next fight. The game's different. Boom, yeah. just a one situation. Yeah. yeah. And this is this is I sound like a broken record player, mm. but this is why when it comes to patch notes, champions, meta items, we're so desensitized to it. It doesn't really register on us because this is what we see every day. This is what we actually see. And this is the real League of Legends. But no, we don't spend, Curtis and I don't spend time on Reddit. We spend time every day, eight hours a day, reviewing, watching people across ranks from bronze to challenger. And this is what it looks like. And this is it. And you guys watching this, you know, this is what me and Nathan are truly passionate about because this is what we know. This is the game of League. This is the game you guys... Cut, we've cut all the bullshit. Cut all the fat. This is what you guys are going to experience. And you need to get comfortable going to these key pivotal moments and asking yourself, hmm, how could I maybe play this a little bit better? The student mindset. It's the student mentality. And again, you don't need to have all the answers. Maybe this Oriana's takeaway... I mean, this Cassidy's takeaway in this situation is, you know what? I probably could have just walked a little bit more... Morgana's bind was a little bit longer than I thought. I probably could have walked up and got and got that art directly onto the onto the Oriana. And maybe I should have auto W'd as well. Boom. If that's your takeaway from that situation, great. Take one or two things away, boom, move on. Great. We seep it into the intuition. We move on. We see more yep. situations again and again and again and again. You can't expect to be reviewing like a challenger part no. like Curtis and I like this, right? And this is sometimes what scares me. It's like, well, how can I, how do I know how to begin this? Again, just have that, just approach with curiosity, asking question. The best question you'd be asking is just, how could I have used my abilities differently? Great. It's as simple as it can be. Start with that. You know, again, you know, we're talking about buzzwords and buzz sentences. You're talking about curiosity. Again, we use that word a lot, the importance of curiosity and you know, I want to make it very clear, guys, is that curiosity is actually the beginning, not the end, in the sense that curiosity is the start of the, it's like the start of the chain of events. So the way you want to view it, right, is that curiosity leads to high quality questions, not necessarily high quality answers. Like people think, um, oh, if I'm curious, I'm done. 
you know, I've, I, I, and I'm curious, guys, I am curious. I'm still not improving. Well, the reality is that curious is just the beginning. If you're curious in your reviews and you're going over these situations, what that would look like is that, again, it leads to high quality questions such as how could I have used my abilities differently here? How could I have been more impactful in this fight? How could I have been harder to kill in this fight? How could I have done more damage in this fight? These are high quality questions. Now, we may not have all the answers, but just simply by raising those questions, you're starting that, you're planting that seed in there that's going to grow over time, over time, over time into something amazing, but it, it just starts by watering that, watering it every day. The, think about it. Curiosity is kind of like, it's kind of, is it the watering of the plant or is it like the plant itself? I think it's, it's the watering of the plant. I think curiosity is like kind of the watering of the plant and the plant being your intuition. And you're just kind of watering your intuition it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Over time, yeah. you know, and yeah. asking good questions and then boom, it, you know, it grows into something amazing over time. I'm happy with that analogy. That's really the way it goes, guys. So, um, yeah, and hopefully this inspires you. And really, and this is what I want this podcast to be about: getting excited about the game, getting inspired. You know, and I think you know we all need sometimes a little bit of inspiration to put us on the right track. Absolutely, it's always I love these type of examples, Curtis. Because again, that's really when when we have these type of examples, this is what the BBC is about: trying to get people again, as you said, more excited about the game. We're trying to push people away from general, general thinking. You know, again, meta items, that sort of stuff. And you know, league's so fun. And this is the yeah. This is what you mean, Nathan. You keep saying this all the time. League yeah. is so fun. <laughs> you know, you love the game. This is why. Because yeah. you could spend so much time breaking down your decisions, whether it's the key macro decisions or mm. you know the way you played a team yeah. fight. And that's what makes league exciting. There is an, is basically an infinite amount of things that you could be doing better or differently in a game that would change the outcome of the game. I mean, Vex. Positioning on that wall for the Herald, that's just so fun. That's, be that's beautiful League of Legends. I don't care about anything, but yeah. just her positioning there. Great positioning. Oh, God, I love League of Legends. Moving on. Yep. We'll go to one of my topics, yep. Curtis. All right, so moving on here, Curtis. Score. Top right of your screen. Score line. I have a bit of a story here. Doing a live coaching session on my stream um, with uh, John. He's a very seasoned veteran in my Salted program. He's a Hecarim player. Going through this whole live coaching, we know really just focus. What's next? What's the next to play? Okay, here's speed, tempo. Come on, John. Go to this side wave here. Take this farm. 10 assists per minute. How many levels ahead of the enemy jungle? Three levels. Cool. And it's like, okay, you know, mistake here. Okay, we misplay this fight here, here, here. And then we're at 22 minutes. And we're sort of a bit of a really big lull state. And John looks up and I look up. And he's like 11 and 1 or something like that. And we're just both shocked. Mm. Wasn't even looking at the score. I had no idea. I the way that I was, the intensity that I was sort of pushing on the in the stream, and what I really like to get is just again your your score is a result of your decision making in the game. It's not the other way around. You don't. It's like I'm playing to have a good score here. It just comes naturally. That's the beauty about League of Legends and the stream and the Twitch chat and me and everyone was like, Chuck's like, oh, well, wow. oh, geez, okay, we're living on one. Like, this game's not as hard as, like, I'm making the game seem it's really hard, but it's not because he's 11 mm. and one. And I thought that was such an interesting observation about how thrown away, because we did make lots of mistakes. There's lots of, you know, I mean, it was pretty good, but, you know, it definitely could obviously be improved. He's an emerald around emerald one. But it's just sometimes shocking to see when you have great decision making, the result of the score mm. in the top right. I have noticed in general um how different you and i like when we play how unaware we are 
of the actual score. Like, I'm talking not even necessarily about your own score. I'm talking about even the, the game. Like, you see how many kills your team has versus their team. Like, I've noticed in reviews where people say, you know, that oh, I felt really stressed. And I said, why? Well, what, what's, what's what's hard about this game? And they said, oh, but look at the kills. We're, we're 15 to 2. I'm like, the game state's actually fine. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 like, they don't have any dragons. Mm. They haven't broken. They haven't got Rift. We actually stole Rift here. They don't have a way to push the pace of the game. Your farm, your your scaling fine here. You've got good farm. Like in my mind, when I look at a game, when I look at a game set or feel out a game set, it actually has very, very, very little to do with the actual amount of kills no. on both sides. The priority information that I'll be looking at is I press tab. The first thing I'll check is items. Great example. Uh, did a review today. Gray's had a really good ga- game mm. sort of popping off. He was two zero two, right? Um, and he had Yomu's. And the Camille on the enemy team, top, was one and three. And he's like, oh, cool. You know, super easy. I have Yomu's 2-0. Two, Fights him, gets solo kill, lose one on one. And then we tab. He has Triforce. The mm. Camille has Triforce. Mm. Where's the score matter there? Mm. You know what I mean? It's so easy to get baited by your own score and stuff. Mm. Tab, check the items. Simple. But in fact, that's what I'm doing. I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking at people's items. I'm, that's actually the more the strength. It's like, you know how we talk about gold unspent in inventory? So one of the biggest problems in our reviews is people running around the map with too gold much gold. Gold doesn't mean shit until you spend yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything, dude. You know? I think I think in terms of key information that you you look at, you know, I think I think objectives, I definitely look at objectives a lot. Like whether they have a dragon or one or two dragons, how many dragons do we have compared to them? Because then you know whether you can concede or contest. Exactly. You're thinking about that's that. Huge. Yeah. So that's like a that's like a game changing piece of information. Items definitely. I think levels are way quite important for me. Yes. For me personally, yeah. like I mean, if I see that my bots, like you know, I actually look at farm a lot. I do. I for some reason I do look at farm. Like if I see my tops down a lot of farm, um, so I look at farm as well. I do yeah. look at farm. Yeah. Like I think it is a good in, a, a good indicator of strength overall. You know what farm I mean? Farm like, pretty much will tell you the items and levels. Yeah, because because farm is actually more important than score in a way. Because if someone's zero two but they're farming like nine cs a minute, it doesn't really matter yeah because then because because you can gauge the because they might have a bad inventory but if they have high farm you know they haven't recall for yeah, a long time yeah. so you know they're ramping exactly. up exactly yeah. so i think farm tells you a lot it does so farm and levels i think so farm levels objectives for junglers we need to be hyper aware specifically of top because top levels get i think they level the fastest in the game do mm, they is that i think so yeah you know the classic it's like the around seven six level six seven mark it's mm. like uh, you as a jungler, you just hit level seven. The enemy jungler, might, the enemy top lane might be level nine at that right, point, especially yeah, yeah. they're ahead. So, and I saw, I see one v, people get one v two all the time. You know, ruin the game. You know, it's like an Aatrox and yeah. the jungler is like, I'm ganking. Here we go, and it's two levels down. And Aatrox just one v twos, and they mm-hmm. lose the game. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Outside of that, I mean, yeah, just basically levels, CS, n- neutral objectives. I guess towers. I definitely look at towers. Absolutely. Right, whether whether mid towers, how many plates, you know, that's going to dictate, you know, rifts as well. Bot tower health, I think that's really important, and that's main variables. I would what say. What do you mean by rifts? You think about rift herald. So you do you think about your jungle rift herald? Do you have to, you don't tell them where to rift? No, I used to. I don't anymore. So really, so you're but just okay, so all. okay, there is actually a very okay. So it's very telegraph nowadays. I don't know if you feel this, and so maybe you're the jungler, so maybe it's different. Yeah. But in my games, it just feels really, really telegraphed how where a jungler's going to use Rift and where they're going to use it. Okay. Like on the enemy. Yeah. Like if the enemy have Rift, mm. 
it's like oh, here we go they've, they've got rift it's like based off what you see on the map it's like it's very very obvious where they're gonna go they're and rift. For rift arrow, yeah and like i feel like that's wait a- is that are you talking about a minute before or like 15 10 15 seconds before I'm talking even way before that. So you think it's obvious. You'll just check, okay, well, this tower's on two plates. It's probably going to break. Yeah, and like... Yeah, the, okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah like, I think it's pretty obvious, obvious what they're going to do. And, like, the reason that's important for me is because, like, especially if I'm in... Okay, so let's say I'm playing Oriana or Cinder, right? I want to keep that bot, land, bot tower alive. Like, it's actually quite significant. If I can keep that bot tower alive, if my bot's losing, that's fine. They can lose. I don't really care about that. I can I can make up for that in mid-game. But if they break that bot tower, that can make my life really miserable. So a lot of the time, so if I'm, in a, I'm, in the, I'm in a situation where it's like, hmm, they've got Rift. It's highly likely that a bot fight's going to happen right now. and Because I, I know their jungler wants to go bot. They want to kill the bot lane and they want to Rift bot and they want to break that tower. There's many, many, many times where I'll sometimes I'll like sack away mid to TP bot just to make sure they can't get that tower. I we we thwart off that gank. That wastes the jungler's time massively. He can't rift. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And then we stole out the game. Yeah. It changes the game completely. Yeah. And that's something I've like kind of maybe realized intuitively, kind of if I want to stall out the game or make the game harder for the enemy jungler. So I would say that as well. But if my if my bot lane's like super healthy and I know that the they no way five plates, I mean it's like whatever. I was like, all right, I can just let them do their thing. Um, Interesting. So yeah. plates, plates, plates. Also for many yeah. plates. I think about. I'm not like it's like a huge thing, but I definitely something that will think about it. Affect your decision making. Yeah, definitely affect my time. macro decision making. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I think big last thing I'll say about that is that I've noticed with my clients, they will get stressed purely based off the like the actual scoreline. Mm. Like I don't even know. I'm not even look even as a coach in the game reviewing your game i'm not even looking at that it's not even yeah. a piece of information no. that i've considered no not, like without exaggeration i don't i couldn't even tell you what the scoreline is in the game i'm looking at who has kills who doesn't who's dying a lot that's it says something there something yep. to say about scores that. the least important information i think for us in the game um yep so just a reminder friendly reminder people you know kd you know people people love their the KDA, KDA on the OPGG. I've never looked oh, at someone's sorry. KDA. And... Interesting point here. Yeah. I um have this type of client that I get where... Especially... I love client architect, archetypes. Like, me too. It's very fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is an archetype that exists, yeah. specifically with my below plaque program, yeah. where they have very good KDAs. Mm. Very good KDAs. Mm. And sometimes I'm... you know, I, Look, I'm not going to say I'm more concerned... But I would say I'm equally concerned when I see accounts that are struggling to climb with great KDAs rather than terrible KDAs. Because when I see an account that has terrible KDAs and they're dying a lot, it's a lot easier sometimes to fix their problems than a player that is playing super defensive. They're getting great kills, low deaths, but they're at the same rank. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's actually sometimes that, in, in a way I'm more concerned, more concerned. Yeah, because... That means that there's narratives there to unwind. I, I clearly know because what's the most obvious? I mean, one of the hardest in general narratives to break is I have good KDA, but my team's still yep, my still, team's I'm still losing. Or Curtis, that, that's from our gold case that gold, right, case, gold study. case study. That was yeah. one of his biggest things that he Look said. Look at my KDA. I'm killing everyone. I'm getting so more why 10 am I gold four? Yeah. How am I losing these games? My trolls. My 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 teammates. I think I think that's why back. we. Well, that's exactly why we're so concerned. Is because we know that's the hardest one of the hardest narratives to break. And it's easier to tone back aggression than it is to instill aggression. Like, how do I get someone to do? Like, I had a client this week where uh, Typhoon, and she's in bronze, and um, she's playing Lux. Investing in Malzahar, 
And I'm like, you just got to auto the wave. You got to eat them. You got to fight them. Because if you're just going to sit there under your tower and not fight, it, you're going to struggle to see as you're in, like, you're just not playing the game. I said, you're straight up not playing mid lane. Yep. Right, she comes from a support background, and I say this oh. time and time again. Yeah. People that come from the support role, they are the people that struggle the most because yes. it steals the worst habits. Yes. Oh wow, Curtis. I have yeah, I have junglers play in in my blow goal program who from support, and we have a saying in the salt. It's like this is the support syndrome. Yep, support. Syndrome. And you know what the support syndrome is for a jungler? What? It's uh, compensating and helping everything. Right. They will ditch all, no. all their minions. Yep. I mean, all farm. They're, they're, they're the lowest farm running around. Yep. <laughs> that's that's a support Yeah, 100%. I see that exactly the same in mid lane where they, they're so concerned about what's happening everywhere else but their lane. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They don't care about their lane. No, they don't care All about right, themselves. I, I'm going to sit there on the tower. I'm going to I'm going to get, you know, 6 years per minute and then but it's fine because there's a fight happening river. My team's fighting and then I can go there and I can maybe help them, you know, with a, with a lux bind or something. No, we're just making the game 10 times harder by by being in this shitty situation. And that's a mindset you just got to shift. You got to be aggressive, you got to limit us. And and I said I said to her straight up I said the only way for you to get out of this is you're going to have to send it you're going to have to die a shit done. You're going to have to have a lot of painful experiences. Mm. It's going to be messy. It's going to be shit. You're going to be tears. You're going to be crying. But there's no, no way out of it. Yeah, you You've got to. to send it. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in you here forever. To, you have to rewire. That's what I work a lot. I'm rewiring the brains yep. of the people, my students. Oh, what I, what I, I say, I'm like, you're going you're gonna to learn to be a kill, killer. I want yeah, you to be right. a killer. I like and I saw, I say killer their name. Like, mm. this is, I, I want to see this new version of you. Killer x person like kill our things so just go to the extreme it's like you're savage on the rift what does it look like yeah yeah i actually like that i might steal that i really like that because you want to get them excited to do the opposite yeah i really like that actually yeah because i found it challenging in the past to deal with those sorts of clients but i think i need to try some new techniques but i think you're onto something there you got to take it to the absolute extreme yeah go the other way yeah i've had some success especially with an amoomoo player in my program um we're sending it with some Q's and R's. Like mm. we're, we're fighting 2v4s and stuff, which would never but you happen. you cannot before. be scared to fight. If you ever feel like you're scared to fight, you know you're in a dark place. That's you know right. you're, you're, you're off the beaten track. Mm. You know, it's an interesting conversation though with Cupcake thinking about it now. This support syndrome. I guess it's the style of supports you start playing. Cupcake is a unique... Cupcake. No, no, he's unique, but it talks about his experience with students because right. I'm trying to think like maybe support is a really bad role to start playing the game. With. I've said that. I've been very oh, vocal about that. that. Did we talk about it with Cupcake? Yeah, we spoke about it. I think yeah. support is the, the worst, worst role. role to start playing the game. Was. By the way, I'm going to say something really controversial here. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to get cancelled. The BBC's done. We're and just like removing business from Cupcake, by the way, <laughs> right there by saying that. Oh, I'm sorry, Cupcake. I'm just going to I got to speak the truth. Oh, here we it's go. It's just the reality. Yeah. No, but a lot of people can move to support. Yeah, move to support. Yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's also Great awesome secondary role. role and everything, and great main role, as long as you've come from another role. Yes. So I'm going to say something very controversial here. All right, here we go. We're going to get cancelled. Jesus, Curtis, already. Yo, yeah, well, if it's that bad, you have to edit it out. Okay. <laughs> here right, we go. So a lot of um, a lot of females play support. Yep. Right. And you know, I'm not going to get into why. All right, that's an, I'm not I'm not a I'm I'm not like a psychologist or whatever, right? I think. Well, you know what? Go if people want to know. We actually talk with remember. The, oh yeah, the, Kitty and Gabby. Kitty Gabby. We, right, we talk we talk about that about why they think that they more gravitate towards the support position. Right. You know, I don't think that's helping the female player base. 
You know what I mean? Like, like because you're learning the game on hard mode, mm. right? Like a lot. Like the archetype is like you know the whole you know female playing an enchanter support. You know Yumi or Lulu or whatever. I'm not the, saying that's all of them. The, the supports in real there life. There is definitely you know a lot of them though, right? Um, and they have a bit of a bad rep. But in a way, they've in a way without even realizing, even though that's what they may enjoy about the game, and that's okay. If that's what they, I'm not, I'm not discrediting that. But what I'm saying is that that could be to their detriment. You know, it's like maybe what we should be encouraging. If you know a female that's trying to get into the game, it's like, all right, hold off on that. We can come back to that. Let's. What's that type of chant that you can play in a different role? Whether it's even an, even if it's the an AP carry playing bot. Like you can play the 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 Lux AD or whatever Seraphine AD Seraphine is good, yeah. in the AD role mm. rather than the support role or mid. Mm. You know what I mean? Like go to one of those roles first, and then you can kind of gravitate to support later on. If you start with support, it's very 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 hard to improve at the game, and you're going to instill incredibly bad habits. Imagine learning the game, Nathan, playing Yumi support for two years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah, like you're screwed. Everyone, I think the whole community consensus would be your your, your view of the game and understanding of how league works. Yeah, I mean, just, you don't know how to fight. You don't know how to fight. And fighting is a huge part of the game. And you and you're going to be timid. You're going to be defensive. You're going to be thinking about other people too much. You need to be thinking. You need to learn to be selfish before you can be selfless in league. Yeah, and that's a skill. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear if anyone else in, you know, in the community knows people who have been down that rabbit hole. Maybe that, maybe that's the missing piece of the puzzle. Why they are the type of the player they are now yep. because of the choices they made earlier on in their journey. You know, I think that's great. I don't think it's controversial. I would agree. Encourage, um, girls that start playing the game to not play support. Just don't play support at the yeah. start. At least let, at least hold off on it as long as you possibly can. Mm. If you want to be a long-term solid league player. Any other topics you have, Nathan? No, I think we can move into... Move on to Summoner School? Yes, Summoner School time. Actually, today is not a Summoner School post, Curtis. Today is from the main Reddit, League of Legends. So the title of this one is, The current rank system feels like a chore rather than a rewarding challenge. So this one got 120 upvotes, 50 comments. Uh, this is by Steel Die. Uh, it reads, The extreme scenario is a new account being started and a challenger player plays on the account. The account wins the first game and starts with a visual ranking goal 3. The account goes 20-0 and he's playing with D2 low masters players. But the visual rank is Emerald 2. By the time that the visual rank is masters, then you are already playing in full challenger lobbies. This is not a made-up scenario. I've been watching Alois, former pro player in EU, do unranked to Masters with every top laner, and I've been following the accounts. They go 30 wins, 4 losses, and they always end in Emerald 3 or Emerald 2, but he's playing with 9 Masters players and the series ends. Now, if you want to drag this back to the average player, if your goal is to hit gold and you start iron 2, uh, you can play 100 games and sixty with, and win 65 and, and lose 35, 65% win rate, and your visual rank is silver 3 or silver 2, but you're playing versus high platinum and low emerald, which is uh, ELO way above your target goal. The system artificially forces you to play between 300 to 500 games instead of the 100 to 200 that you should play in order to reach your ELO. MMR is everything, but people play rank. People play for the ranked for the visual rank. There is no need to have a mismatch other than to force players to play two hundred to three hundred extra games for no reason in order for them to reach their true elo. Okay. Okay, so 
before we get into the comments, there's a very simple explanation for this, right? I mean, ultimately, if... Let's use the example of his um, gold, the guy who's gold, average player, right? Let's say they start Iron 2 and they want to get gold. The reality is that it is going to take them a mass amount of games to be a genuine gold player, right? Now, if they were that much better, let's say they were you know, playing at a gold level or whatever, and they were in bronze, they would be getting so much LP per win, right? Because if their MMR is high, it leads to higher LP gains. Like, you can get plus 40, you can get plus 35, you can get insane LP gains. So if you're winning that much and you're so much better than, you know, you're actually playing at a gold level consistently, if even if you lose, you're not going to lose much LP in that rank that you're at. You're going to gain a shit ton and lose not much. So the, it will take a while for, right, for the visual rank and the MMR to kind of catch up, but it will get there and it won't take that long. It definitely does not take it nearly as long as you think it is if you're, if you're truly at that rank. Another way to view it is like, what's the alternative? Right, because the way I view it is that if the imagine if the system was that easy. Imagine if the system was like, all right, all you got to do is, you know, in Alois's case, you know, win thirty games, boom, your challenger. It wouldn't make sense. Like the system needs to take time to calibrate your true rank, because otherwise, it's so easy to gimmick the system, and then the, the ranked integrity goes to shit. When 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 it does take a decent amount of games to get to the particular rank, you know 100 that, that the person people at that, that rank, rank is that yes. rank. That's it what gives the rank system its ranked integrity. Because mm. people view it in a negative light. You always see this argument all the time. It's like Riot are just making us play more games every year because they the want more money. It's a chore. Yeah. Right. And they're viewing it through this negative route. But again, I always view it as like, what's the alternative? What, what's this amazing system that you want to happen? You want everyone to get their rank instantaneously and that's it? Well, the system would be all over the place. You would get games where like the skill discrepancy is so high because someone got it gone on a, on a bit of a lucky streak. They climbed super high up and, you know, it would be, it'd be silly. It'd be really, really silly. The ranked integrity would go to shit. I want to use his example here of if your goal is to hit gold, and you're, you start Iron 2. You can play 100 games and win 65 and lose 35, 65% win rate, and your visual rank will be silver 3. If that was the case, all right, 65, that's that's genuinely, that's not even realistic no, anyway. And that's again, not an average player. And you don't want it to be that fast. It can't be that fast. League, the what I think he's hugely missing is the aspect of the skill. He doesn't understand there actually is a massive skill differential, massive gap massive. between Iron 2 and Bronze 2. Massive gap. Yep. People won't really believe it or whatever until you see it. I We work with Iron players yep. compared to Bronze. There is a very big gap. And again, there's a massive gap between Bronze 2 and Silver 2. Huge. It, it takes, it should be a choice. It should take a lot of time. Otherwise, where's the reward in, in the system? So, you know, the funny thing about the title is the current rank system feels like a chore rather than a rewarding challenge. The rewarding challenge is it being so difficult to get is to that because it level. is feel like a bit of a chore. It has to feel like a chore. Otherwise, it wouldn't feel satisfying <laughs> in the first exactly place. Exactly right. Exactly right. And yeah. this is going to this new world that we're in. Is everyone wants things fast. Dopamine. Where's the long-term, the grind? Remember- Earning what, something. Remember, once you get to a rank, right? Let's say you get to gold. 
the next season, you're all the same rank. You're the same MR. And then you're just slowly chipping away and slowly yep. improving again. You, it's not like you go back down to iron and start again. And look, I'm not discrediting the whole fact that we want the visual rank. That's not the point. We all do. Yeah, the visual rank is important. Mm. But it's like the journey that gets you there is what makes it inherently satisfying. If anyone could get to gold in like, you know, 30 games, then yeah. what? The system is no rank. <laughs> the, the system would be terrible. Yeah. The system would absolutely be terrible. And you'd get what it is like in Wild Rift. Remember the guy complaining about, oh, everyone... Everyone climbs really fast and everyone's in diamond now. Diamond means nothing. You know, that's exactly what would happen. It's a casual game, right? You don't want League to be a casual game and otherwise people wouldn't play it. But I think you're, you know, again, what we see time and time again with these posts, Nathan, is that it's it's about these people, they get so detached from the underlying skill. Mm. And that's what we see time and time again. And we've got to change that narrative. We've got to change that belief. It's it's about do you want to look like a goal player or do you want to be a goal player? And that's really the, the question. And people say they want to look, they just look like a goal player, but in reality, they'll get pumped by a real goal player if they were a silver player. And then, well, that's the, that's that's always know? the trick of league, isn't it? Because one game you can look like a goal player. Like let's yeah. say they you can you can feel it. Everyone on the enemy team's raging at their team. You're carrying your fifteen and you're like, God, I'm, I deserve to be mm. way out of this elo. Right, it's so easy to get tricked in those type of games, and then the next game you just go, um, you know, you might win, but you go like uh, five kills and eight deaths, right? And it's like, you know, I won, yeah, I won, but it's like, you know, you're still in your rank. You know, you can gather pop off games. Whenever I look at pop off games and reviews and stuff, the way that I think about it is that, or just gives me stomp is, you're good at solving these type of problems in the game, in this sort of game, in this type of game. Yeah. But when it comes to the, like the majority or the average game, you're still struggling with a lot of type of decisions. Yep. And it's again, it's so easy to feel like a god in League of Legends. But uh, yeah, you'll be surprised. You know, you got to think. That's what you got to think about in terms of. That's why it has to be hundreds of games. Yeah. It has to be a large sample always. size. Yep. Otherwise, the rank system can never know where to put you. Um. And did you want to read through any of the comments or on? Uh... No, no comments, no Curtis. Comments. We're not going to okay. get influenced by comments. We're only, okay. This is our opinion, Curtis, all right? <laughs> all right, Curtis. All right, so we're moving into Curtis's clips. Let's get into the details, guys. And welcome, everyone, to Curtis's Clip Corner. Okay, guys. So I did a video recently on my YouTube talking about kind of high-value versus low-value deaths and the significance of, like, reading the map state and being hard to kill. Right, and now this was a game I was reviewing today, and I want you to look at the map. I want to freeze frame right now. What do we see, Nathan? Oh, I see Graves recalling, yep. and I see Volibear recalling, yep. and I see the enemy, uh, your bot lane, yep. uh, literally at your tower. So this is what I call a red light. It's a red light right now, and I think about who's the only person on the enemy team to kill right now. It is the Vega going, hey guys, look at me. <laughs> Everyone else is missing. We are making it basic. If we were to contest this right now, we are making it as easy as humanly possible for the enemy to kill us. Yeah. You're the only option for the enemy to kill us. We are literally the only option. Right? And what do we do? We're now like trying to contest the chasm here in a second. We're shoving or whatever. We're trying to contest the wave. And look at where we are. We're just making it very... I mean, look, to be fair, he is warding and leaning. He's leaning to his ward. I like that. that. He's doing warding and leaning. That is good. But, you know, we are versing a Hecarim. Right, and if we're gonna verse a heck room and look at look at where the wave is because we're shoving it. Why are we shoving? What are we gonna what are we even gonna get from shoving here? Like what are we actually gonna get from shoving in this situation? And and this is the thing, right? 
if you were to die here, what can your team do off this death? Nothing. And this is like, it's really interesting. Like there's a lot of comments in my video about like, they don't, I don't think they really got it. Cause like, let's say for example, your jungler is, you know, hovering in the area. Who knows? Maybe you can turn that into a counter gank. Or maybe, you know, your top lane's pressuring really hard. Mm. You know, maybe your top lane, your jungler could make a play topside, knowing that where the Hecarim is. In this scenario, nothing good can come from this death. Yeah. I think why is because people need to know when the green light's going to happen. So the right. green light is going to happen. So what's going on with bot? It's going to be bounce him back because once the enemy, once the wave crashes the tower, generally it always yep. bounces back, right? So on this next wave bot, you're going to have a bit of a green light, okay? The enemy team and is when just, when Graves gets Graves on the map in gets general, back, gets back to his, done these his two camps, camps then, he's then doing we something. have a green light. So, or when Volibear's pressuring topside as well, you know, and these are all things that would make it more of a green light. Because I would say it's like, it's, it's, there's, there is an orange light in a way, right? Kind yes, of. there is an orange light, yeah. Right, where things are kind of in the right place. It's yeah. not like crazy green light, but it's like, this is definitive red light. But like, if Volibear would be pressuring, say Graves were like maybe around here, like say maybe on red, that's like an orange light, yeah. maybe. You know it's like, I mean? it's like, be, it's like caution, slow down. It's like but play with caution, you know, it's fast. It's like, okay, yeah. I got this party, let's dive. That's like a green light type stuff. Yeah, yeah we, we're ready to go, yeah. Just be, yeah, be wary, essentially. Yeah. So, and, and this is where, again, I, I'm absolutely obsessed with miniature lull states, like these times in between the waves. And this is when we need to be processing this information, guys, right? This is where we have the opportunity. We have the freed up mental stack. We're not interacting with anyone. This is where we need to be looking at. And this is what I mean by calibrating the map state. What I mean by calibrating the map state is where is, where is everyone? What is everyone doing? Right? That information alone, remember guys, it's not about what this information leads you to do. It's about what you don't do. And that's been, again, this message that I keep on saying. And again, I love this clip corner because we can actually show, in this case, what would it lead us to not do? It would lead us to not touching this wave, not contesting this wave, letting the wave come out to us a little bit, take a chill pill, let your jungle come back on the map, and then Bob's your uncle. We're in a somewhat good position. Bob's your uncle. So the, how about, what's the takeaway? Some, some sort of word that can, I like that saying of identify moments when you're the only option mm. to kill. You're the only person on the map that is killable for the enemy team. I even keep it even simpler for mid laners, like depending on the rank, right? Let's say this is a, a gold or even a platinum. You know, the way I view it is baby steps in, in my program anyway. You're not going to go from... I don't even use my lol sets. I don't even know what a lol set is to, I'm going to be hyper aware of where everyone is in the map at all times. You're going to take baby steps. So typically what I would say to most people is, all right, let's just be a little bit more aware specifically of our jungler's location. Just jungler. If you can just know where your jungler roughly is on the map in those lol states, that's going to give you a pretty rough indication of kind of what you can and can't do. So that's why typically I would start if this was yeah a gold player or a platinum player. All right, well, here, where, what's your jungler doing? Right? Even if we, let's just forget Volibear, forget your bot lane right now. If your jungler was basing, hmm, potentially a bit of a red flag. If your jungler's pressuring topside, okay, that's that's interesting. Mm. Or my jungler's invading raptors, hmm, that's, that's even more yeah, interesting. Really you know what I mean? Your jungler's, as a mid lane, I say, your jungler's location alone gives you a lot of information about what you should or shouldn't do. Yeah, it's a big part of your gameplay. Big, big, big part of your gameplay. Because it's, it's the opposite for me. Because then what I'm doing essentially is I'm, I'm thinking about the enemy team's rotations to the people that are going to die. Mm. Like, so I'm, I'm always saying, okay, uh, you need to be anticipating because 
let's say the Vega is the only option here. What's the tra- what's your trade for them using resources on to kill this guy? So a lot of the time in my reviews, I'm saying you've got to anticipate your team dying so then you know what potential options you have. Because if you don't, then you're react mode and you're already hitting your camps and too late, you've missed the own Vade or the counter jungle window. So if you're the Graves here, you'd be thinking, all right, my Vega is going to die. Yeah, so so what specifically you say you need a ping that he's going to die first? Yeah, I don't really say the ping in much. What rank do you say that? Because obviously in plat, you probably wouldn't. But like, is there a rank where you would I just expect- adapt to my teammates. Because sometimes your teammates' deaths are inevitable because their waves are in certain states. Mm. Or I could just tell the way they're playing. Or they're playing a type of champion that is just greed pushing. Well, like waves. What about in this situation? Um, Let's say this is a master tier graves. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ping. Is that, is, is, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Is that an expectation? Would you, in your, if you're in your prime, you're playing your best League of Legends, would you ping Danger mid here? Well, I don't think I would actually, surprisingly. Okay. But I think I should. I think that's pretty <laughs> it's big. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? Pretty obvious. Maybe it's easier to see it in this in moment hindsight. because we're making a big deal about this clip. Right. But I'll probably just miss this or like I'll be like in discipline and this guy dies. It, I'm actually not sure. I think I ping a lot. It's hard to tell, right? I think I ping a lot. Context in, in the game. I think I also ping a lot. I don't, I can't remember what I'm pinging. Like, hmm. it's, I just have intuitions with pings at this point. My, my pinging is pure just intuition. Like, I'm not thinking about my pings that much. I'm like, okay, spamming. This is this next. This is what's going next. Okay, would it for, to answer your question, would I be expecting. Yeah, I can't say I would, no. And even for maybe maybe like Diamond, maybe Master Plus, but even Diamond, I think I wouldn't be expecting them to be pinging this. Just adapt. Okay. Which is very interesting. Maybe I said something I'm going to look for. I might get back to you after a week. Because hmm. I just think about my reviews. I don't really... Nah, it's more in the mid game. It depends on the stage of the game. At eight minutes? No, not really. No, wait, no. Yeah, I would be, I'll be danger pinging the river here. I'll be telling people to do that. Because they have, yeah, Vega... Two minutes, I probably think my Vega is a little bit safer as well. He's leaning towards the right side. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll get back to that more questions. Than <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I know that there is many situations in my reviews yeah. that pinging doesn't help the situation and you need to be, yep. there needs to be a play. And I can think about many examples, even in my games in Challenger, where pinging is not going to help the situation. I need to be prepared for them to die and trade something off. That's just a realist fact. That's I know that f- that's the case for a hundred percent to be true. Love it. All right, mailbag time. Moving on. Away we go. Jingle, jingle, jingle song. Alrighty then. Our first question here comes from Ben. The title of this email is "Mistakes and New Builds." Hello, beautiful coaches. This season, I hit my goal of getting to gold for the first time. Have you never really taken ranked seriously before, despite playing since season five, which is 2015? I wanted to share one major thing that helped me the most. After listening to your show, I was intrigued by the idea of end of review mistakes. Besides League, I mostly play non-competitive single-player RPGs in most of these games, when you make a mistake against a boss or enemy and die, you just respawn and go back and try again like nothing happened. I realized I was treating League the same way and not respecting the impact of mistakes, especially early in the game. 
in league, if you make a mistake, you have to live with the consequences of that for the rest of the game. Once I realized this, it really helped me to play with intensity and recognize how my early mistakes were affecting the mid and late game. Curious to hear your thoughts on this. It's really interesting, right? Because there's so many games where that just that whole snowball aspect just has nothing to do with it. It's not even in the game at all. It's not a mechanic inside the game, right? We kind of take it for granted because we've played the game for so long. Yeah. We've internalized this kind of end of review mentality for so long now. We can't even envision what the alternative would be. Yeah, in terms of like improving and, and being conscious. Of, there is no other. Option. Yeah. This is why the end of review process works because we've found there's no other way to teach the game better than It's this. actually a groundbreaking technique. Like I've always kind of taken it for granted how effective that technique really that minds it's the mindset behind the technique right where yes. it's like respecting the snowball nature of the game yeah respecting that snowball nature yeah. and like getting your shit together because you know that if I if I slip up I lose my intensity I lose focus I check my phone I all tab I die I'm yeah. I'm screwed but you know how you know why it's still so foreign in the league community because people can just play at their level autopilot in the early game you can still win the game in the mid game. Right, you can 100%. win those games, so that that's why. Like, you're actually not. Yeah, you're not. You're not. There's not. Imagine if it was like Lee was so brutal. That brutal. One where, percent, you're done. Yeah, like the games, are, but you still the enemy will throw and stuff. So that's league. That's yeah. the thing about league. It's tricking you all the time. <laughs> it's tricking you going back to like the games that you go fifteen oh, and zero. Yeah, it, it tricks you that it you can. You it, so you easily. can make early mistakes. You can win the game with lots of early mistakes. It's sending you so many mixed messages. That's why it's the it? hardest game in the world. Yeah, it is. It actually is sending you mixed messages twenty four seven. Yeah, you can you can win a game when you're zero three. You can play perfectly and lose a game. You can play. Yeah, you can be three and zero and lose. You can have a terrible lane phase, but team fight well and get a bounty and win. You could win by stealing a Baron. You can play level 16 Cassidy and level 16 Kale and still lose the game. And then where it even gets more complicated is that the champion you pick shapes the experiences you're going to have. So every player is actually going to have a different experience. Like you said, if you're a Cassidy main, of course you're probably not going to be FFing all the time. And you're probably confident in your ability to, um, you know, scale and win. But maybe if you play Nico, maybe that's completely different. You know what I mean? So like there's that added layer of complexity. We're not all experiencing exactly the same thing because it obviously depends, like you're viewing the game through a different lens as well, right? So yeah, you're, you're spot on. The game is consistently tricking you at every turn. And you're only able to identify what the tricks are when someone like kind of explains it to you. Like, this is what's happening. Like, you won this game because you just luck. Like, you were right, right players, right time. They threw, they gave that, they got, they got sloppy. They gave you that bounty. This was just complete luck. We played this game out a hundred times. You're going to lose 80% of them. You know, like, and that's all someone's telling you that. You're going to, you could go down a complete wrong rabbit hole. And that's why people, mental boom, emotional thing, that pretty much leaves leagues the hardest it. game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely a good reminder. You know, we forget about this, Nathan. We do forget about it. We do. We actually do take a lot of what we know about the game for granted and we lose sight of that. Like there are people that don't even have, you know, they don't, they don't have this background in league. Yeah. Well, it's interesting for me because I've had a bit of, again, a, a wake-up call reality check because I've sort of making more public content more recently and my whole live coaching on my Twitch stream is the whole end of review thing. Mm. And even on my new YouTube channel, I have like end of reviews, like an intro. 
people get shocked by it still they come to my Twitch chat it's like what is this why how does this work why do this and i have to explain as well. so i'm, I'm very we're, we're still going to be right. well aware that this is still a very foreign concept in the league community still very new yeah and no other coaches talk about this no. Yeah, no, because it, and and specifically, by the way, why no other coaches talk about it is because the the model of their coaching they have to they, they're they doing have a to one do hour game reviews. you know I'm doing a one hour coaching session, and they you got to get their values for money. Well, in reality, no, like sometimes a review is only going to go for ten minutes, and there's no point or fifteen minutes. You know, I can't sit here and look at you playing zero five. <laughs> Nico in the mid game. <laughs> yeah. no point. And there's not much point. There's not much point to, to solve the problem. And it's hurting you. It's hurting game. the client. It actually is hurting the client mm. by doing so. To try and problem solve, how do I win the zero five zillion game? You're not. You shouldn't be winning those no, games. This is not in. You shouldn't it, even be in your wheelhouse. You shouldn't house. be putting the effort into figuring out how to how to win these no. type of games. Yeah, I actually. By the way, on this, I think it's a really important topic. I had a Vigar review today. Um, I think it was actually the Vigar clip. And the game was just like a, like a really, really hard game. Like you end up farming, like farming 10 CS minute, getting to three items, whatever. And I'm like, look, we can get into this, but the game is just hard. You had two losing sides, early game went to shit. Like we could problem solve this and we could maybe shot call and do some stuff. This is not the reason you're at your rank. That's right, yeah. I it's not say, important. I, my saying is like, we could problem solve this, but it's like solving, you know, some crazy equation like this is, we're doing like calculus you're like let's relax let's just do some some just some basic algebra to right to play some principles so we can have more consistency in our platinum games yep. spot on so we actually have a second question in this email so second question i have a question about builds at the beginning of this last year i was playing a lot of leblanc when static shiv came back the 80 leblanc build started to become popular but i stayed away thinking that riot would nerf it into oblivion AD LeBlanc feels very different from AP, and I didn't want to spend time learning all the differences if they were just going to get rid of it. However, it took a very long time to nerf it out of popularity, and I felt like I was wasting the potential of my champ by not playing this version. Even now, it seems a lot uh, of one tricks and high-low streamers still build Static Shiv and play a more split-push-oriented style. What is the BB BBC philosophy on trying new builds like this, particularly ones that largely change the champion's function and role in a game? Other examples I can think of could be AP versus AD Kaiser, Tank versus Lethality Sion, or AP versus Tank Gragas. Thanks for all you do, Ben. Yeah, it's really frustrating. It's hard. It, it, I feel so sorry for the LeBlanc players. Like, like their champ went through the shit, and I, I, I'm like you. It should have been nerfed way sooner. Like, Riot were fucking delusional on that one. I even sent a message, I think, to Froxon personally. I said, this is out of control. And they said, oh, no, it's, a, it's an interesting mechanic. LeBlanc needs it, whatever whatever he said it was. And I said, <laughs> all right, so be it. This game, it, it ruined the game, yeah. right? It straight up ruined the game. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I would have, if I were a LeBlanc main, I probably would have done the same thing. I probably would have just stuck it out, did my AP thing. You know, because again, when we're talking builds that completely change the champion's identity, you need to be very careful because you can go down a rabbit hole that is a complete waste of time and overcomplicates your journey. Now, it also depends on the rank that you're at, especially if you're in gold. You don't want to be trying some gimmicky build that's going to change your whole identity. And that's where I don't, I'll be honest, I was wrong about that. I think in another reality, it probably could have easily been nerfed way sooner. Um, so I wouldn't beat yourself up about that. I would say the principle general that generally that you want to follow is stick with the tried and true build. 
any builds that are only that are not going to change the champ's identity are fine. You can play around with them, but things that completely change the identity. Yeah, I'm be very careful yeah, with them. Be very careful, Curtis. I have a massive one that I hate the most. Lilia, the Rod of Ages, Lilia thing that came out. You got a Rod of Ages and like a more of a tanky right, style, so rather than the rather Leandre's demonic. And then you go like W max. Mm. And the problem with, I mean, you go, sorry, you go W second. You go Q max and then W second versus Leandre's is Q max and E. Is that the way you play fights, you're not playing Lilia properly. Lilia is not a champion that's designed that's meant to be tanking damage mm. and meant to you be in, in melee range and stand in, in fights. Once you press W, W is flawed with Lilia because once you W, your character stands still. When you, and that is designed to that mechanic because you only W with your R. So why put points in W, right? So I have these these Lilia players that come and they have no idea about how to play Lilia properly because they've been crutched. They've been propped up by this build that has ruined the champ's identity and it's and it's going to disappear anyway soon. Everyone's having to go back to the, the main Lilia. Like Lilia is a AP carry jungler that wins fights in the mid game only from Qs and Es. You don't. You shouldn't. If you're W, and that's why the kit has movement speed. That's exactly right. Yeah. So it's completely changed the way that you're meant to play Lilia. And and I see these Lilia players. I'm like, you know, they're like literally inflated, like five six hundred LP by this build. Look, you can go down that rabbit hole, but you should do that way later. Yeah, do that like, when you're more experienced. Or yeah, high when you're more elo. experienced, when you're high that's elo, it's fine. That's the thing. So yeah. that's the thing. Like, I, like because because then the guys like well, all these like masters here, Lilia players on the Lilia mains Discord is saying it's just the best way to play the Lilia champion. Of course, sure in high elo. Because they've already got the mastery on the champion. They've got the fundamentals of the champion. What you're worried about is learning a unique niche way of it which doesn't yes. teach you the fundamentals of the, the champion, champion. Correct. It doesn't teach you the champ properly. And then you're and then when that build inevitably gets changed or they remove that, which they probably are going to do at some point, then they're screwed because they don't need to relearn the whole champion. Yeah. At the end of the day, champions' identities and builds, they're consistent over long periods of yes, time. They so are. stick with it and don't get distracted by it. But yeah, I mean, I, I straight up, I see some clients. Sometimes I'm like, your journey, it's just really hard. Your journey's over, dude. You fucked up. You yeah, know, you, fucked you, up, yeah. you played a champion. You've distorted your view of the champion. We have to just ditch that champion and we have to rebuild the relationship with the game. Yeah, and that is going to happen, I think, at, uh, on the next patch, by the way, the next season. Yeah. With Everfrost removal. That's going to change Silas oh, massively. Mm, it's going to change Ari massively. Imagine if you've only ever played Everfrost Ari or you've only ever played Everfrost Silas. That's gone. That's gonna. That's completely changed the dynamic of the champion. So I think that there is going to be some adjustment period for people that who've really got used to a build, and it's a bit. It's a bit annoying, but it is what it is, and that's part of the journey. But yeah, you're right though. That there is like a common thread of a, of a build that is consistent over time, right? And what and, and the, in order to find that, you got to find what is the stock standard build that is aligned with the champ's identity, right? And and then that's what you want to learn it through. That's right. Right. Um. And that's like with Zed as well. Like you, you're better off learning the kind of the one stock standard build that's not going to get removed, like the lethality d d burst damage version of Zed, right? Learn that first, and then you can learn Conqueror and shit later. Once you on, become you more experienced, I mean? once you yeah. become more experienced, that's right. All right, our next one here comes from. Um, Chris. I thought you were going to say some super complicated name. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought this was from... Maybe this is not from the... Oh, no. Wait, what? Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. This was a quote at the end. 
his name is Chris, but it's not the person who wrote it. Because okay? <laughs> right. it's right at the end. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's all right. All right. Okay. Anyways, so this one's from Matt. <laughs> so Matt from the Milan Academy case. Yeah. All right. This one is called uh, 2023, A Success Story and a Tragedy, All in One. Hello, Coach Curdles and Nathan Modulus. I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> I wanted to share my journey throughout 2023 as the BB. BBC Universe's favorite Diana player, Matt. So we've heard about Matt's story a couple of times. He's an unique case study. This year I managed to reach heights I didn't even know were possible and checked off my League of Legends bucket list. I hit Masters for the first time and maintained it on and off for most of the year after being stuck in Platinum at the beginning of the year. I got my games uploaded onto YouTube channels like Domisum Replay and I got a clip on Synapse. That's fun and a great and all, but I want to get into the details of the things I believe went poorly for this year. Maybe I can get your thoughts on some of those things or put it out as a general warning to some of my lovely BBC enjoyers. I believe with 100% of my being that I would be a Grandmaster Diana mid player at some point during this year, if not right now, if it wasn't for some of the issues I ran into. I spent over 10 hours driving home for American Thanksgiving and it gave me a lot of time to reflect on not only life, but also my solo queue journey. I love how he has to like state it's like American Thanksgiving, like if Thanksgiving happens anywhere else in the world. Not the Australian Thanksgiving. The Australian Thanksgiving. <laughs> the, uh, the German Thanksgiving. No. My attitude towards the game has gotten quite poor over the last few months. Every single time my attitude was good, I was soaring. Whenever it dips, I'm a fraction of the player. I don't believe I ever became complacent, but what I do believe contributed to this was a mix of ego and misunderstanding about how my situation is different than others. I'd see streamers and real-life friends be able to maintain their rank or even climb playing demon blocks of seven-plus games in a row where my process had to be very strict and almost completely in line with what the... BBC three block process looks like it may be bitter at times why do these guys get to play whenever they want or however long they want the answer that I've settled on isn't even on anything fancy along the lines that they aren't improving as quickly or they aren't playing below their elo what I came to is they aren't me different things are going to work for different people this feels like the ultimate solution to let me go at my own pace and let other people do whatever they want the worst active decision that I made throughout the, the year was immediately as I hit Masters as a, di as a Diana mid OTP, my school's League of Legends team wanted me to play for them as I'd grown to a lot higher of a rank than the person who was initially the mid laner. I feel this one decision to say yes to this request set me back months of progress. This is joining his school. He must be in a college, college team. I didn't even practice champions in solo queue outside of my one trick, but what I did was I practiced random champs in scrims and games, and it completely killed my confidence. It ate away at my time while I also had a job and was finishing up my final terms of university. I knew that I wouldn't perform well off my off Diana, but thinking something versus seeing it happen elicit two completely different responses. 
The final major issue that contributed a lot to a lot is that I started focusing a lot on the outcomes to things. I started the process of applying to jobs after I had graduated and I was initially doing great and getting a lot of responses. Surely enough, I started to focus on the outcome of a job offer over the process of applying to a job. With that, I was making worse resumes and applications, which led to less interviews and in time, the same outcome-focused mindset bled into my League of Legends journey, which also suffered. Looking at it now, my mental is completely eroded. It is still significantly better than even one and a half years ago, but a far cry from where it was seven months ago. I think that this time I've reflected with will be proper fuel for the end of the year and hopefully something I can carry momentum with going forward. This year, I've only been able to get anywhere this year, I've only been able to get anywhere near the success I have been with a good process and thanks to Curtis and Nathan. This is the year I've progressed the most as a human being out of the 23 years I've been alive. Thank you. And here's a quote here from Chris Voss. When the pressure is on, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall to your highest level of preparation. Great quote. I love that. Preparation's everything. Yeah. I think what sticks out for me personally is the whole you got to find what works for you. We're all different. You know, we're all different. Comparison's dangerous. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, and I think that you can sit there and you could try to intellectual, you know, intellectually try and break down why this person is able to play nine games a day and, and be grandmaster while you're struggling in master playing perfect blocks reviews. It's not going to get you anywhere, right? It's not going to get you anywhere. And it really is about the process that works for you. And that may not be three blocks. It could be two game blocks. It could be four game blocks. It could be five game blocks. It could be reviewing before games, after games, reviewing only every second game, whatever. You got to find what works for you in your situation. And so I think that the fact that he's finally made peace with that, the fact that he's finally realized what it means for him, you know, what process he needs to, to kind of undergo... I think that's really that's that's huge. That alone, minus everything else, is absolutely massive. Um, and then, yeah, the fact that you even seeing those kind of real life parallels, right, to forgetting, getting sloppy with the process, getting sloppy with the effort, rather I think than you have to go through those experiences. It's not you. You can't just go from zero to a hundred. You can't be like, all right, this is me. This is my habits. This is what I've done for the first twenty three years of my life. All right, here we go. I'm just going to do this. I just change my habits and I do this for the rest of my life. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. You get a little bit better, okay. You know, you, you get some confidence and again, you, then you go back into some bad habits and then you, you know, he says this year was- It's the, an adventure. It's yeah. like a classic adventure. It's <laughs> it like, is, again, we remember we did that episode about Lord of the Rings and it's like they go through all these all these tr- tumultuous events. Everything's looking good at one point and then it and goes, then goes shit, shit and it goes back to good <laughs> and then shit and then at the end, you you've, can look back, you've been through the, you know this massive journey and that's what makes you the person you you, you become. Mm. I'll tell you a story. I was at a um, like a like a little gathering thing. It's like a last month or two months ago, and there was a guy there. I never I never met this guy before, and he was a he was a bit of an older bloke, you know. And he used to be a bodybuilder, right? And he was telling me about how he used to be a bodybuilder, and he started talking to me about all these. You know all the the downsides. It's like, oh yeah, my my body. You know, I you know obviously I'm I'm not as strong as I used to be. It maybe I had this perfectionist mentality where I was nitpicking my physique, and I and maybe I got a little bit too obsessed about my image, and I would 
um, you know, I would what's a body dysmorphia, and mm. and he would start to talking about just basically saying all these negatives. And you know, I let him kind of finish his whole little thing, and then I said, "But isn't that whole experience what made you who you are now?" And I asked him a question. I said, "Do you would you if you were to go back in time, would you change how you did it? Would you change what you did?" And he's like, "No." I still would do it because that's why he was able to be this strong, mentally emotional. And I started reading off all of the positives yeah, he was focused on of the experience. Medium, I'm like, yeah. dude, you did something that's really fucking hard. Mm. You pushed to insane strength. You've developed so much mental, like all this discipline, like sticking to a diet, you know, sticking to a routine. These are things that very few people have experienced or have the knowledge as much as he and, would have. And then I'm like, yeah, sure, there's negatives and we all through, sort of go through tough times. But like, you wouldn't be a shell of the person you are now because you've been through this tough shit, you know? And like, sometimes, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't yeah. matter what you do. It doesn't matter. Like, we all are going to fail. We're all going to make do dumb shit. We're all going to have setbacks. You're going to make dumb decisions and piss away months and years. But you know, that's life. You know, you're not going to be this, at least you're going to be a much better version of yourself by putting yourself in these situations, trying and failing than not trying at all. You know, imagine Matt, imagine if he never tried in league. Imagine if he just played, you know, Fortnite, you know, never did anything, relaxed on PlayStation, whatever. And then imagine the mentality he would have now instead. Wouldn't even be anywhere anywhere close, hmm. you know. So yeah, and he's again. He said that this year is the best progress he's made. So that's not a tragedy at all in my mind. No, I think again, it's not. It's just going from you know, let's say he was minus thirty, and now he's at like you know maybe ten, twenty. Maybe he's still he's still this picture of where he thinks he can be. But it's like we always say, dude. I mean, what I say. You know, there's the improvement journey. It's really ugly. It's a bit of a, like, I always, you know, there's just like thing as a finished product. You're but, always yeah, working yeah, on know, it. You know what I mean? People just think it's like, okay, now's my self-improvement journey. Now's my self-improvement thing. And yeah. everything's just, do, 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 just yeah. all the way up here. People think it's always sunshine and rainbows. Time is equally your best friend and worst enemy. Yeah. And I think that's, it's a challenge, right? How do I have the urgency to get shit done and make sure I'm not pissing away time? But how do I ensure that I'm patient and and understand that it is a journey and it is a it is a process? And there's that fine line between finding how do I express myself, but don't put you want to put pressure. You want to have pressure, but not too much pressure, right? It's hustle. What's, you know, um, John Wooden has a quote on that thing. Well, I'm going to find it right now. It's really, it's on one of the, it's something like, it's like, hurry. be quick, hur, you know, yeah. be, hurry, but don't, no, be, up, be quick, but don't hurry. I think that's it. It's be quick, but don't hurry. I think you're right. Could be completely delusional here though. Yeah. Be quick, but don't hurry. It was a frequent yeah. phrase from coach John Wooden used the basketball practice. Cause I remember reading his book and it was like, there was testimonials essentially of players who um who kind of you know what they got from his I think it was another book that it was like it was like basically the teachings of John Wooden from like ex players and one of them was saying like simple things like that changed their view on what it meant to be you know quick but not sloppy 
you know, he had these he had these beautiful little sentences, little neat, tidy, boom. He could get so much across in just a simple little sentence, you know. A master coach, master coach. Although master he ne- remember, he didn't call himself a coach. He hated that. He, he called himself a teacher. Mm. And that's what a lot of people said. He's not. He wasn't a coach. He was a teacher. He was a life teacher. Yeah. Life teacher. Love it. Keep it up, Matt. Keep chipping away. Amazing. Again, I wouldn't call that a tragedy at all, dude. Honestly. I don't think that's a tragedy whatsoever. That's exciting. That's great. I love that. All right, moving on here. Uh, this next one's here from um, Silhouette 3. I assume that's his in-game name. Yep. From the MLA. Oh. Hi, Nathan and Curtis. So the title of this email is Reality Check Regarding Champion Mastery. A bit of information that might be important for the upcoming story. I've been playing League for about one and a half years. I have one-tricked Aurelia, then this summer I swapped to Syndra. Mid and top of the only roles I have played a lot. I am Emerald 3 right now, and I peaked Emerald 1. I've received a huge reality check regarding Champion Mastery. With me being Emerald, I thought the gap of game knowledge and mid lane fundamentals is so massive that I can beat Silver MMR with any champ in the game without having high mastery on them. The last few days, I played a lot of Ari since I enjoyed playing her and I want to learn her next. So I hopped on my second account with about Silver MMR to practice. The result was shocking to me. I got absolutely shit on by low Silver, high Bronze players. Got solo killed three times during laning phase, feeling like a caster minion at best. I was in disbelief, thinking the player I was opposing must be a smurf. But after a few games and a deep talk with Toby, shout out to my fellow MLA boy, I realized this is my level of play with Ari. Before this experience, I believed that I would never have to visit bronze again. Now, imagine if I play Katarina, Jace, Azir. I'm going to iron, kick, W. This experience showed me once again that champion mastery is the foundation of everything in League. Without knowing how to pilot your champion, the rest of someone's game knowledge is significantly less important. After about 15 games and a watch of Curtis's Ari guide, I can now consistently win in this ELO bracket. So I would say that higher ELO equals fast learning is definitely true, but I just expected it to be instantly. Have a good one and stay positive. Love it. I think it's really important to note that because people will be like, Oh my God, you know, Champ Mastery is like, you know, that means that I can get, you know, everyone's ELO inflated then by playing my one trick. It's like, well, no, what he just said there is that, yes, you know, he's Emerald, but he's going to learn and get out of that rank real quick in 10, 15 games because he can apply the principles like real quick. Like, and he has the, un- remember, there's Champ Mastery and then there's like fundamentals and game knowledge, right? He, if you tick off that, if you have that kind of game knowledge and fundamentals, all you got to do is check off the, the Champ Mastery basket. And then you can, you've already got those other two things there ready to go. But if you haven't learned the fundamentals or anything, you're having to learn the champ mastery and the fundamentals and the game knowledge. You know, there's multiple things you'd have to learn. Yeah. I mean, the way that I like to put it is like, okay, let's say if you're Emerald 1 and you're you're like only a one-trick or playing that champion, then I think it's about 400, 500 LP below that if you were to put at least like 30, 40 games on a champion. That's like your baseline skill level. I think it's so different, man. It's so hard to say, man. Like, okay. again, imagine... I found that to be either case in general. In general, yeah. Okay. Okay, in general. Um, so I reckon that he... So you're saying that when he's an Emerald 1, uh, let's say in your case, like a, an Emerald 1 Nidalee, yep. they would be... A platinum platinum one, 1 Graves. Graves. Yes. In a short period of time. In a short period of time. Right, not instantly. No. That's with like 30, 40 games. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
On average, yeah. Because your baseline skill level can get at your champ up to speed yeah. quite, quite well. And then that person will be sort of struggling. It's like Platinum 1, Emerald 4 games, they'll be like, they'll have to really put in effort to improve. It's not going to be smooth. I think that's a good ballpark. Is that either. a good ballpark? That's yeah, what I found. I think that's pretty experience. accurate. But that Nidalee example is horrendous though, Curtis. It would be a bit different because Nidalee's like one of the most mechanical intensive champs. In the right, game. right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that's where the champ specifics come yeah, into play, okay. right? Okay, well, like you have a, a an Emerald then. One. Okay, so let me give you an example. Let's say you have an Emerald One Katarina OTP. Yeah. And then they try to learn, um, they try to learn, let's say, Oriana. Oriana. Well, oh, maybe that's like 600 LP. Yeah, difference. it could be a little bit different. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, roughly ballpark figure. Because you know. Katarina's a way different style and much. Well, different, just completely different style. style. Like, that's why I recommend people, you know, if they're switching complete style from it, like you know, a hyper mobile assassin and then they're playing in a mobile mage. It's comp- it's just a different mindset. You're mm. playing a different game in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, and I, I love those experiences. It's humbling because you're going to take that lesson moving forward forever. You're never going to forget the significance of Chan Mastery. And, um, you know, I think feeling it is really important. I think for everyone once in their journey, like Matt, he went, did the competitive, probably played all the gems he doesn't know Mastery on, get shit on. Holy moly. Okay, yes, Chair Mastery. And now for Silhouette here, same thing. Going back, learning Ari. Holy shit. Okay. You know, and I think these humbling experiences are so important for just really developing that respect for the game. Yeah. And uh, some people get scared by when we talk about the importance of Chair Mastery because they don't want to take the plunge to learn a new champ. But just be aware that it's going to take effort, but you can get there. You'll be surprised. Like, you can build really good solid champ mastery in about 100 games of intentional practice but people forget nathan even people that have champion mastery they really forget they get complacent with how much they know league players are very very good at, at actually disrespecting what they yeah, know absolutely. with their champion because they forget they, they they think that they actually completely disrespect the muscle memory they build with their champions hmm. straight up because hmm. they get cocky they're winning i'm winning in this elo bracket they, they it's like they don't even know what they they don't know what they know Right, they're actually unaware of what they know and how much they're actually doing with their champion without even realizing him because it's it's all this muscle memory, intuition, things that they wouldn't even have to think about or they haven't thought about in potentially months, you know, and they have to go through that journey again. And I think that it's so easy to get complacent with that, so so easy. Absolutely. All right, any other comments on that one, Curtis? That's, That's our it. last piece that you're going to take away for this podcast, guys. Champion Mastery is the foundation of League of Legends. Love it. All right. Good work, everyone. We'll see you next week.